Hello and welcome to Relinquish Podcast. My name is Travis. I'm Christina. Hello. Hello. Well, we're here. We are. Welcome back, everyone. We're in a new year. 2021. 2021. Glad 2020 is over, although some great things happen. 2020 is hindsight. <laughs> That's right. I'm glad you guys are joining us. Uh, I think 2021 is going to be a great year. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's already been kind of crazy, but it's going to be good. It's going to be positive. It's going to be an adventure. Yeah, an adventure. One thing that's going to be interesting about this year, I think, I have a prediction. I think 2021 is going to bring about more information on the very topic we're going to discuss today. Today's episode is on UFOs, or now commonly referred to as UAPs. What's UAP? Wait, let me guess. Unidentified alien people. That was close. (laughs) That was so close. Unidentified astral projections. Ooh, that's a good one. But no. I don't even know what that means. Go ahead. Unidentified, you got right. So unidentified aerial, as in in the air, phenomena. Okay. Or phenomenon. Uh Uh-huh. Either one. Yeah. That's the new nomenclature. Okay. Yeah. Otherwise known as UAPs, huh? Yeah. UFOs, too weird for people these days. You down with UAPs? Yeah, Yeah, you know me. Yeah. You down with UAPs? Yeah, you know me. (laughs) (laughs) I was late on that one. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I think we're going to hear a lot more about this subject that we're getting into today, this year. Why is that? Why, you ask? I ask why. Yeah. Well, for many, many reasons. One, most recent, being... um, in December, a COVID relief bill was put out, and inside of that thing, tucked in there kind of quietly, was a requirement for the Pentagon to disclose everything they have on UFOs and UAPs to a Senate Intelligence Committee because they had a secret program running studying the phenomena. Okay, what does that have to do with a COVID relief bill? Like, why is that? Exactly. I have no idea. Okay. But they do that all the time. In these bills, they put, you know, all kinds of stuff in there, hoping it gets snuck, sneaks by. Is that like the governmental version of chopping up spinach really tiny and putting it in your kid's dinner? Yes. Maybe. Wow. It's like the legislative version of that. (laughs) (laughs) I promise there's no mushrooms in this whatever casserole that you're eating. I hate mushrooms. All right. Anyway. Anyway. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, And already this year, there have been a few UFO sightings just in America. One very recent was on a football player uh, who witnessed him and his wife were coming home from dinner early evening. They saw what was an unidentified aerial phenomena, and he tweeted about it, and he got a lot of flack from people. And all he did was say, hey, I saw something crazy in the air. I thought, I think we just saw a UFO. And a lot of people reacted strongly. Well, see, if he would have done his research, he would have known to say, I might have seen a UAP because right. that's the appropriate nomenclature. That's a less triggering word. So, yeah, he would have gotten, it would have gone down better. And I think personally, because just so you folks know, I love this topic. I've been I've been a fan of this topic since I was a kid. 
So I'm very excited to get into this episode. I'm very excited to get into this episode with you, who could care less about this topic. <laughs> so, so I... Good stuff. It's going to be good. I can talk about this for hours. One thing that really gets me, really gets me, is the closed-mindedness Americans have on this very subject. And when I say that, I say that because anytime, at least prior to 2017, but even after 2017, when the New York Times did their big article kind of exposing the Pentagon's secret program studying UFOs, but prior to that and even after, anytime there was a news story, whether it be a live television thing or a written article, none of the journalists were actually journalists with it. They always had an opinion and they always immediately discredited the topic from the get-go and never took it seriously. They always inserted words like, I believe, ref you know, referring to the, the famous TV show X-Files or I want to believe or the truth is out there. And almost inevitably on any television broadcast, you hear this. Always. And that gets me. That immediately discredits it. Mm. And so people don't take it seriously. And people are afraid to say that there's something out there that they can't explain. So anyway, I think this year we're going to see a lot more of it. That's my prediction. Okay. All right. Let's get started. Let's do it. All right. Y'all ready? I'm ready. This is going to be interesting. I think that uh, the topic is so broad, we're only going to be able to scratch the surface. Is that right? That's right. I'm intentionally not going to go into too many of the branches within this field so that we can keep it grounded as much as possible, because you can really go down a rabbit hole. I think the listeners will appreciate that. Okay. I think most of them will. There would be some out there going, oh, man, <laughs> we're not going to talk about the Pleiadians. Those of you who know this topic know what I'm talking about. Okay. So we don't have any sponsors today. Um, so in lieu of that, I'd like to plug some of the resources that I used for this episode. First, there's a podcast I really enjoyed. Uh, it's called Wild Things Season 2, and it's titled Space Invaders. Highly recommend it. Host Laura Krantz spends about 10 episodes exploring whether there could be life on other planets. And if so, have they already visited us? And she kind of delves into other kind of aspects of it as well. If you're a fan of NPR, you'd really appreciate the style and production of this series. Uh, Laura takes a very skeptical approach to the topic and has what I would consider a typical view of UFOs. And she was a journalist for NPR. So again, it has a lot of that style and approach and kind of really falls underneath this model of thinking that I think everybody else kind of can appreciate. Good times. Yeah. Next, there's a book by investigative journalist Leslie Kane titled UFOs, Generals, Pilots, and Government Officials Go on the Record. If there is one book to read on this subject, it is this one. I cannot recommend it enough. It is my favorite book on this topic. It covers everything you really need to know without going into all the weird stuff. It just covers data, facts, uh, records, and obviously it covers generals, pilots, and 
government officials and their accounts and testimonies. So she's a very gifted writer. She is able to pack in all this really complex stuff into a format that's very easy to digest and understand and appreciate. Okay, so then there's movies and documentaries. Now, as far as documentaries go, there are so many terrible, terrible, terrible films out there. Don't even get me started on that horrendous Ancient Alien series. <laughs> I cringe every time I see something like that. Um, pretty much anything from the History Channel is is a is a goner. Don't don't even waste your time. They sensationalize everything and leave out a bunch of facts that are important. So they always have the uh, conclusion, therefore aliens. So it's always aliens. The great documentaries that are out there, there's only a handful. And I've, I've watched a ton over the years, especially in the last couple of weeks. Out of the Blue and um, I Know What I Saw are both by a filmmaker named James Fox. And he has a new one that's, that just came out that I haven't seen because it's not free and I'm cheap. Um, it's called Phenomenon. It's supposed to be the best one yet, so I'll go ahead and recommend it because his other two films are phenomenal. And he covers a lot of what Leslie Kane covers in her book. So the two kind of go to, can go together. And um, they both actually work together to um, put on a uh, national press club press briefing when they had all these government officials come and give their testimony in front of the press back in 2007, I think. Then there's a documentary called Travis, the true story of Travis Walton. Do you know who that is? No. Did you ever see the movie Fire in the Sky? No. You didn't? Are you surprised by this? Yeah, I thought we watched it together. No. No? Okay. When did this movie come out? 1993. We didn't watch okay. it. We didn't watch it back so, in 1993. Up until around 1999, or at least 1997, I lived away from civilization right, in the right. backwoods where we didn't have movies and such things. That's true. It's true. That's. You didn't even see the Goonies, did you? Before you met me. I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. Well, I crack and pop. You know, just a quick side thing. Whenever we, whenever we sit down to record. I start cracking and my bones start cracking and popping <laughs> whenever I move. So like I'm having to constantly edit out these little clicks and pops. Every joint says, oh, so it's time for this now. Yeah, it's time for bed. We're doing this at bedtime. So my body's <laughs> done for the day. <laughs> and we're young. You're getting old. No, we're young. You're middle-aged. Face I'm, it. I'm new-aged. Oh. No, not new-aged, but I'm like young-age. <laughs> new young. I'm new young. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway. Travis Walton, I think, is has one of the best kind of testimonies out there in regards to this this subject. It's really hard to discredit his story because there are so many witnesses. So if you haven't seen the movie Fire in the Sky, highly recommend it. Terrifying, really good movie. His documentary is on Amazon Prime for free. It's really good. Highly recommend it. It's one of my favorites. So then the last one, the last documentary I'll name is my favorite so far, and it's called Bob Lazar, Area 51, and Flying Saucers, and it's by a really remarkable filmmaker named Jeremy Corbell. I've been fascinated with Bob Lazar's story since I was a teenager, and I mean, my only criticism of this film is that there are parts that are narrated by Mickey Rourke, and I, yeah, something about his voice kind of grates me, but he also uses... GD a couple of times, and I have an issue with that. Mm. 
look, I can handle all other kinds of cuss words. So I'm not, I'm not a press or nothing. Is that the right word? Press? That's kind of a curse word, <laughs> depending on what circle you're in. I'm not a, what would you call? I'm not like a. You're not a snowflake? That's a curse word in some circles too. Well, I guess we better be careful. Man, we're, we're get show's getting canceled. Okay. Anyway, if you can get past that, I highly recommend this. Man, it's so good. Um, we'll talk about Travis and Bob later on. All right. Then, of course, this totally wouldn't be complete or hypocritical without discussing the best cultural icon and legend of all things paranormal, and that is The X-Files. Now, I never watched the show when it yes. came out. Yes, I did. You did. <laughs> we didn't have movies, <laughs> but we had TV, by golly. But I've I've watched it as an adult, and after many years of researching the paranormal and the study, that that show really captures so much of the lore surrounding the world of high strangeness. I was really impressed with it, and you liked it. And You're the one David who told Duke me about Kevney it. In it. Yeah, you told yeah, me about it. I liked it. it. Yeah, I'll say yes. Put me down for yes. I was so surprised that you liked that show. Cause I just, I don't think I would like it now. No, but still, still we're the fact ma- that I did is why we're soulmates. We've been married for 27 years and it still surprises me. Good. Things that you do Good. and say, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's get some lingo out of the way first. We're going to get going, get started into this episode, but let's get some lingo and some acronyms and nomenclature out of the way. All right. That's me. That's you. So. There's just a handful of things. UFOs, of course, unidentified flying object. And as Travis mentioned, UAPs, the new nomenclature, unidentified aerial phenomena or phenomenon. It's the new term to describe UFOs. So same thing, new name. USO, unidentified submerged objects. An abductee is someone who was abducted by aliens or the military. And these are negative experiences. And then a contactee is someone who was approached and contacted by aliens, spent time with them, etc. And these are positive experiences. Yep. That's great. All right. So remember those because you'll be quizzed later. Whew. Man. All right. So you go first. Okay. You do this. So I'm going to do um, the beliefs and values for those who do believe that some sort of phenomena exist. The beliefs are that there is substantial evidence to the phenomenon from credible resources, such as eyewitness testimony, government programs, government documents, photographic evidence, physical evidence, and video evidence. The government is aware of the phenomena and has kept their knowledge from the public. There's the belief that the government has recovered craft that are not from this world and has been working on reverse engineering the technology for decades. The belief is that keeping this technology from the public is morally wrong since the type of technology believed to be had could eliminate the need for fossil fuels and such. Some believe the phenomena exist, but doesn't necessarily mean that, of course, it has to do with aliens. There could be an interdimensional component to the phenomena, or it's all made by humans and consists of technology that's hundreds of years in the future. So advanced, in other words. Um, Also, the belief that the government has created a lot of disinformation over the years to either keep the truth about extraterrestrials from the public for various reasons or concocted the alien narrative to cover what they are developing technology wise. So the values behind those beliefs are the value of open mindedness, 
the value of truth, the value of diversity, and the value of government transparency and oversight. Excellent. That was great. And real quick, someone might say, what does diversity have to do with this? And I'd say the people who do believe that there's life on other planets hold a belief about like, that it's like Star Trek. You have all these different races of beings that, you know, are out there. That they hold the possibility of that? Yeah. Okay. That's diverse, you know? Sure. You ever watch Star Trek? The next generation. That's the best one. Number one. Engage. Engage. Yeah. T, Earl Grey. I always like, as a kid, we used to watch that. I always liked Wesley Crusher because, like, he was like a kid on the, on the starship, you know? Yeah. So, like, I was like, man, Wesley's cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, you know. All right. I also liked Riker because he was cool. Jean-Luc Picard all the way. Well, he's a given, right? Okay. Yeah. I even like Whoopi Goldberg's character. Yeah. Guinan. I like Jordy. I love them all. Anyway, back to the show. So I'm going to cover the people who do believe the phenomenon exists. No, you're not. No, that's what you just did. <laughs> <laughs> Man, what am I doing? I'm going to... I'm going to... I'm doing the one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna do the side of those who do. I'm sorry. Just read what it says. I'm trying. So I'm gonna do those who do not believe the phenomenon exists. Okay. I did it. Okay. So they believe. So one belief is that UFOs or UAPs do not exist. Period. There's another, which is the most popular on the side of the debate, and that is. UFOs or UAPs do exist, but can be explained by the following. That all sightings are either misidentified human-made aircraft or other scientific explanations given by officials such as bright stars, planets, meteors, balloons, satellites, swamp gas, Fata Morgana, hallucinations, clouds, ball lightning, upper atmospheric lightning, the economy, and so on. Is that all? That's it. I, well, there's more, but I just didn't put it in there because it's too much to write. Many believe the term UFO is synonymous with aliens and therefore not real. Um, they also believe that the laws of physics make intergalactic travel highly illogical since it would take thousands of years to travel to other solar systems and millions of years to travel to other galaxies due to our knowledge that nothing can travel beyond the speed of light, at least nothing with mass. Then there's a belief that there's no physical or photographic evidence or scientific evidence for UFOs that can be proven authentic. That's a good one. Um, they also think group hysteria can be attributed to people seeing things in the sky. They believe there is no credible evidence to believe in extra extraterrestrials, period. Um, and some Christians believe it's impossible for aliens to exist. I don't know about other religions, but... That's what I know about. And some people believe that highly evolved intelligent life forms living on other planets or other galaxies is possible, but we have not seen any and they have not visited here due to restrictions in physics. 
And then people who believe in UFOs are crazy, nuts, or just not credible. And then lastly, they believe that all testimonies from eyewitnesses are not credible or are hoaxes of some kind. So the values that I noticed that drive those beliefs are they value science, truth, safety, and pragmatism. Did I say that right? Pragmatism. Pragmatism. Yeah. I'm not good with words. So in that last, for those who don't believe, do you, did anything stand out to you that you didn't already know? Um, I didn't know much from either side. Honestly, what stands out is how much middle ground there is really. Yeah. That's what stands out the most to me. Yeah. When you kind of put it like that, I kind of know where I want to go with this unless you have something to say. No. No. You're just along for the ride. I am along for the ride. Let's let's go on this this train then. This fantastic voyage. Let's go on this UAP then. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think first I'd like to kind of delve into some of the things we discussed um in the non-believing side. Okay. All right. Cuz I can I can really get down on some of the things that they talk about. I can understand kind of where they're coming from, even if I don't agree 100%. So let's just, some of the things that stood out to me. Okay. One is many believe the term UFO is synonymous with aliens and therefore not real. Okay. I can see why, I can see how that became the case. Sure, yeah. Culturally. Culturally. Whenever, again, we go back to the news stuff, when the news articles and television programming refer to UFOs, they always mention the term little green men. For one, that's sexist. And two, like, why are they green? I know that's, that's a cultural colorist. thing. That's <laughs> It's racist. <laughs> so. Well, I think Uf- UFO and flying saucer is often seen as the same thing. It is, Yes. Well, which no. which yeah. is aliens. Aliens, yeah. Yeah, UFO equals aliens. Yeah. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with the fact that... And, and also, there are people in this belief that also think that a UFO isn't necessarily an alien. They think it's a secret government aircraft. So, anyway, I just kind of wanted to point that out. Like, I, I don't think you should automatically dismiss a UFO and say, therefore, alien, because it's not. Sure. I mean, they're... That's like saying homeschooled, therefore not socialized. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people, when they think of homeschool, they think of this. (laughs) So... God bless them, everyone. Yes, that's right. I love that you just brought that up. That's great. (laughs) All right. And then another thing I noticed was all sightings are either misidentified human-made aircraft, which we were just kind of talking about, or kind of other scientific explanations. I think both sides would probably agree that there are misidentified sightings, Mm -hmm. that there's scientific explanations for things, that there could be government reasons involved. Like, I don't necessarily think, I mean, where they fall on those topics might be different, but I think there's more middle ground than some people might think. You are absolutely right. That's why I wanted to talk about it. Ironically, um, 
the believing side and the non-believing side both agree that, well, at least the non-believing side says all of it can be explained. Mm. All of it is mm-hmm. either a misidentified aircraft or some sort of scientific phenomena. But the believing side says, wait, that's not what the data suggests. The data suggests that ninety, on average, 95% of the sightings, of the, of the tens of thousands of sightings every year, that have been studied for decades, 95% can be explained by the things mentioned before. So there's like 95% agreeance from both sides. Absolutely, which is a lot. That is a lot. There's 5% that cannot be explained with anything known to us. And it's that 5% that they focus on as saying, there is a real phenomenon here because when you take, you know, let's just say a few million reports over the last seven decades, 5% of that of being unexplainable. What do you do with that? Well, I think this is interesting and this is going a little bit off topic, but I wonder if the people who say 100% of these things can be explained away, have they not experienced other things in their life that they can't explain? Because there's many things in life that can't be explained. So I would guess that the people who are in the 95% group who say, well, there's just 5% of things that we just don't have an explanation for. That just seems a little bit more realistic because that's how life is. Like you can't explain everything about life in many areas. Well, I share that view, but there are many who don't. Uh, Many with a scientific uh, view would say that any and everything can be explained with science, even if we haven't figured out how to do it yet. Okay. I can, yeah. I can understand that. Totally. I think a lot of them would reference, because I've heard it before, where they reference author Arthur C. Clarke when he said something like, any, sufficient, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Hmm. Yeah. I was going to say something, but then you went off on some, on that. Sorry about 5%. that. 5%. Uh, we were talking about middle ground. Yeah, that was, was, which was really good. I liked what you said about, well, what do they think about? And then we went to that. I want to talk about that 5% real quick. One thing that, that I came across was there was a French group of scientists and um, professionals. Um, like one was the head of the French equivalent of NASA they got together and formed this independent group, um, like a think tank, who decided to spend three years researching UAPs. I think it was from 1995 to 1998. Somewhere around that time, they released their findings um, from that study in 1999 in France called the Cometa Report. And that report, um, their ultimate conclusion was after I think they analyzed 3,000 sightings and witnesses, like reports, and they came up with 5% of those on average were not explainable. So that's where that number comes from? or That's not where that major number comes from, but that's just an example. Okay. Yeah. 
So interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Go France. Um, and then I want to talk about the laws of physics that they, they referenced in that, on that belief system. Mm. One thing that's really got me, um, kind of thinking this through, if you're only, if we're only thinking about, um, interstellar space travel from, um, a knowledge of what we currently know in physics, then traveling to distant, distant galaxies is impossible or mostly improbable because of the time that it takes. Mm -hmm. And I think as it should be. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so there's this kind of understanding in the scientific community of people who study the stars and study planets and study solar systems, you know, astrophysicists who say, wow, it is highly probable that intelligent life lives out there. Some out there in the galaxy, in the distant universe. Just based on statistics. Yeah. And what we know about life. And And what's required for life. Right. However, their thought is, but they're so far away, we're never going to get to talk to them. Because, for one, let's just say we... we, Because there's groups of people who are actively trying to find signals from, right? There's SETI, right? Search for extraterrestrial intelligence. I actually know about that. Yeah. I don't know how, but I do. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's good. Um, We kind of study this. And so we send out signals all over the place. Hey, hey, we're here. And we're expecting a bounce back. And, but we're, in order to do so, we're saying, well, we're making all these assumptions by saying, if there's an intelligent life and they have advanced to a certain degree of things, then they're going to be using radio technology to send signals and to receive signals because that's the most logical, blah, 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 blah. I know it's, there's more to it than that, but that's the, the essence of it. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're using to kind of see if extra intelligent communities are, are trying to speak to us. You know what that reminds me of? <laughs> yeah, what I was going to say something. What? Go ahead. I was going to say, that's like us going, hey, we discovered a telephone uh, and using that technology to try to contact somebody else from another planet when they're on 5G. All right, maybe that's not a bit, that big of a good analogy, but, you know. I was just thinking about these assumptions you were talking about and how, I don't know if anybody else is going to get this, but, you know, here we've had several decrees made by government officials about mask mandates and different things that relate to COVID. And when you read one of these executive orders or whatever they're called, it'll say at the very beginning, you know, this, and it'll say, whereas, and it'll have like a condition, whereas, you know, like, whereas COVID exists and whereas the numbers look like this and whereas the hospitals are blah, blah. So kind of like what you were saying, just there's all these whereases that are related to this. Yes. And that narrows everything down to say, well, we're probably not going to hear anything because of all these whereases. Yeah. So when I was listening to that podcast I mentioned earlier, the Wild Things podcast, which I cannot recommend strongly enough. It's so good. The journalist, she interviews a lot at Lauren Krantz. She interviews a lot of scientists about this and they kind of talk through it. One of the things they mention is that, okay, let's say we did pick up a signal. And it was from an, it was from a galaxy 
outside of our own. To have a conversation with that civilization would take thousands of years. So it wouldn't be logical because let's say they say, hey, we're, you know, so-and-so. Hi, nice to meet you. We're in Zeta Reticuli or I don't know. Some, we're in the Andromeda galaxy, our closest galaxy, right? And they don't say Andromeda, but they use math to tell us. And then we go, oh, awesome. Math is a universal it language, is, so by the music. way. Yes, so is music. Okay. Um, and we say, oh, hey, we're here. We're in the, this galaxy. Mm-hmm. These are our coordinates. Yeah, hi. Well, that'll take like 400 years to get there. You know, like, to, so we get their signal that's probably 400 years old. We send a signal out. It's like 400 years old. You mean exi- using the existing technology? Using the existing technology. Yeah. Okay. Which means they're using that technology to contact us. And so the people who are even searching for these things are kind of like, what's the point? Because it's not like we can have a conversation. Does that make sense? Sure. I mean, the point would probably be, well, but then we know. Then we know. Right. Well, True. That or is the point. we think we know. So I, I found that all really fascinating. And if you want to delve more into that, listen to that podcast. It's really quite worth it. Now let's kind of talk about, well, right before we get into that, I just want to throw out some numbers. Okay. Let's, our universe is big. I like least, numbers. Those are maths. Yes, you like numbers. I don't like numbers. The universe is extremely big, at least the universe that we can see, which isn't very much, even though what we can see is vast as far as what we understand. It's astounding. It's astounding. So there's a, an estimate for the amount of stars in the observable universe. Okay. Do a couple things to blow your mind for a minute. Do you know what the Hubble telescope is? I do. Okay. Everybody should know. I love the Hubble. Love the Hubble. Love the Hubble. Well, they released a, a picture not too long ago, and it was of a pinpoint of this night sky. So just a little pinprick over the night sky. And in this one little dot, when they magnify it, right, to really big, there are in that picture like more than 10,000 galaxies. I love that because it's a great (laughs) picture of how if you took a pinprick picture of the human body Mm. and then blew it up, it's the exact same thing. Yes. Wow. Wow. Because That's right. the particles get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, and we can see many of them now. Yes. Anyway, it's just, I just love that. You know, wow. The quantum realm and then the, you know. Nano realm? No, the quantum being the. The, the tiny. Nano, yeah, the tiny. Oh. And then like the universal realm. Was that? Like the cosmos? The cosmos, yeah. All very similar in that regard, Right. Yep. A lot of space in between it's the like particles. like there's a common thread or something. Yeah. A lot of space between those particles. Yeah. It's mostly space. Right. Okay. So just kind of bake your noodle on that little pinprick, 10,000 galaxies. And we know that each galaxy has a few hundred million stars. Okay. So, so just imagine what the entire night sky all across the globe consists of in okay. the observable universe. So someone put together a, a, a hypothetical number of stars in the known universe, and that is... What? Someone, probably a mathematician. Sure. Someone really smart. A lot of maths. Lots of knowing. Right. <laughs> Who they use those mathematical numbers. So they said there's approximately 
68 sextillion stars in our observable universe. Ooh, doggy. Yeah. We now know, based on how we can uh, see planets revolving around solar systems just in our own galaxy, um, we are identifying hundreds of new planets every year, if not every week, um, using like this new mathematical method and the way that we observe them. The little ping um, and the density of light coming from the star around it. So it's a good time to be in the field of astronomy. Yes. Lots to observe. Lots to do. A lot of data to crunch. So people are kind of looking at that and saying, well, wait a minute. If there's that many stars in the observable universe, how many solar systems would that equate to? Lots. Lots, right. Muchos. Muchos. Boku. And if we're using our own galaxy as sort of a um, a baseline for how solar systems operate. Like a template. Like a template. Then a vast majority of those stars would have planets revolving around them in a, some type of solar system. A lot of, A lot of them are binary, meaning they have two suns. However, what we've come to know is that the majority of those solar systems have planets within what they call the Goldilocks zone or the habitable zone. Conditions are right for life, at least life that we know of. So you say we know that, but you mean we hypothesize that? We hypothesize that, yeah. Okay. Using mass and probability and statistics based on what we can see. Okay. All right. So Fair. If that's the case, if those conditions are true, if there's that many habitable potential Goldilocks planets out there, which is more than I can comprehend at the moment. If there's that many Goldilocks planets, how many bear planets are there? (laughs) (laughs) We'll just multiply it by three, right? Okay. Yeah, okay. It's an easy number. Easy number. So with that, just as we go through this episode, I want you guys out there and gals to be contemplating what I just said when it comes to that. For me personally, when I think about that, I think the likelihood that there is intelligent life somewhere else in the universe is more than probable. Okay. What do you think? I mean, I think I don't know and I don't need to know. I mean, what what I know when when I'm hearing all these things from you is I've just realized how much I don't know. Yes. And I'm not going to, you know, like I'm not endeavoring to know everything. I think my little finite brain couldn't handle that knowing personally. Mm. Well. I can see the implications for those who are interested. I mean, because on the other side of things, like that little pinprick of skin with all the kajillions of things inside mm-hmm. of it, I'm interested in that kind of knowing. And I mean, that would blow my finite brain as well. So it's just, sure. what are your, what are you interested in? Knowing. Yeah, it's yeah, a good point. What are you drawn to? Okay. I'd like to get into the discussion of extraterrestrial life later on in just a little bit. Later on. Later on. Okay. But first, not to get confused with aliens and, and UFOs, because we're not going to say that that's an ultimate conclusion. Um, I'd like to go into just what is going on that people are seeing and why are we taking it seriously? Okay. Okay. So this goes into the belief system of 
those who believe that the phenomena is an actual phenomena that is um, in dire need to be reviewed, studied, and, you know, maybe even some precautions taken. Okay. Okay. I think on that side, one one thing that kind of I would say for that believing side is that for the most part, they would agree that most sightings can be explained by human craft. We kind of went over that. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I kept hearing come up in that belief system was the the word government. Did, mm-hmm. you, did you realize that? Did you catch that? And I'm not surprised. Yeah. That's not surprising. And it's not from a conspiratorial point of view, like, oh, the government type of thing. Sure. But uh, in that belief system, there's the the belief that the government is covering stuff up, that they know that this is a real phenomena and they're not letting the public know about it. Well, I think it's logical that government would be a player on this Mm -hmm. topic if there is something going on that cannot be explained. I mean, it's kind of important for the government to be involved. Absolutely. They should be. But should that role be to cover things up for the quote-unquote safety of the people so they don't cause panic? Should that be a role of being 100% transparent to the community and saying, hey, we don't know what this is. We don't know if this is an enemy of the state flying in our airspace. We don't know if this is from out of planet flying in our airspace. We just don't know. Um, So please keep the reports coming and we'll keep you posted and we're just as concerned as you are. I'm not sure that's necessarily the right. Yeah, those aren't easy questions. No, I don't think that's necessarily the right tactic to take either. I think the government should kind of take a look at its population and how they respond to things and make a, you know, a good decision on how they should handle that. Well, and it's hard because you mentioned earlier that commission in France that spent three years in the 90s studying this. Mm-hmm. We live in the information age where we have access to not just what's happening in our country, but if our country has a completely different policy about that than, say, France as an example, right? well, we're going to know what's going on over there. So, you know, it's it's complicated. It is complicated. Our, I think our country has taken the stance of, you know, we're just going to try to dismiss this as much as we can, at least in the eyes of the public. And we're going to kind of, and what they've, what they have done there, what, what they have kind of, how they've handled this in the last 70 years is they've said, okay, well, what we're going to do is we're just going to kind of discredit this as a whole. Um, and they may have had the best intentions in, in doing that. Like, hey, we don't want to cause panic. We definitely don't want to seem like we're not in control and we're not, we're not, that we, that we can't protect you. Well, it sounds like their stance might be changing based on what you said about this COVID relief bill, little wiggle in. Wiggle in. And I think their stance is changing too, just based on what other countries have been doing. Mm. So like, so not all governments have taken the same approach as we have. And so while our government you know, is taking this seriously and has been for many decades, but yet telling us that they don't take it seriously. I think that's why what came out in 2017 is so kind of critical is that it in 2017, it was disclosed at least two secret government programs since, Pro- since Project Blue Book 
um, has, has been going on. And so the government has been taking it seriously even up to today and spending taxpayer dollars on investigating this. Um, but yet while on the back end treating it, at least in our public view, that they're not taking it seriously. Don't we do that as parents? There are things that we downplay to our children because we don't want them to worry about Absolutely. it or whatever. And, yeah. and I'm not saying we take it seriously. Sure. And I'm not saying that's the wrong approach. No, no, I, yeah. I'm not saying you are. I'm just saying it sounds like something. Yeah, that sounds like a logical yeah. thing to do, right? At least to some degree. To some degree, right. Sure. So some countries have been doing it different. So just so you guys are well aware of what the U.S. has been doing as far as programs go, the one in the kind of 2000s area was called the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, or commonly referred to as ATIP. The one after that, which I think is a terrible name, <laughs> is called uh, the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Task Force. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's, Can you imagine coming home? Honey, we decided on the name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What happened in that meeting? Like, okay, we're going to be called the UAP Task Force. Like, that well, just sound, sounds official. It actually doesn't sound official. All right. It sounds like something from like a sci-fi TV show, like a cheesy sci-fi TV show. All right. Well, anyway. Anyway. That which we call a rose by any other name. Sure, smell sure. sweet. All right. So we've got programs going on. So what I think is really interesting is um, other countries have taken a different approach, primarily being France. France has taken a completely different approach to this. What they do is... They have not only kind of little agencies set up in their own government to study this phenomenon seriously, um, but they are very open with um, if if pilots or military personnel have a sighting, they're well they they have a very inviting kind of culture for them to report it, mm. and it doesn't hinder their advancement in their career. It doesn't they're not ridiculed. They're taken seriously. Okay. I like that approach personally. Mm -hmm. And France isn't the only one to do that, although they are notoriously the most, I don't know, um, open and productive in the scientific community in regards to this phenomenon. Okay. So other, just real, so you guys know, other countries that do that, that are also very open to not only its citizens, but its military personnel for welcoming reports and taking them seriously um, are Chile, Peru, Brazil, and even the UK. It's very interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Here, if a pilot has a sighting, for one, they don't even really know who to talk to because they keep getting bounced around. Like you can't, you know, report it here. But they're often not able to advance in their career. They're not, they're not, and they're kind of ridiculed. So a lot of people, at least here in the States, when they have real credible sightings, they don't mention them. We're pretty good in the U.S. at ostracizing. I don't know how other countries are with that, but that's <laughs> something that I feel like we got down. Like, did you know, um, it was in the 2000s, maybe 2004. I can't remember now, but there was a mass UFO sighting at Chicago Air, uh, Airport. O'Hare. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you know about that? No. Nope. Yeah. This, uh, 
unidentified aerial phenomenon thing, this craft, was floating above a terminal at, at the airport. And it was witnessed by tons of pilots who were grounded and getting ready to take off, passengers, and it was witnessed by the air traffic control. Wasn't it just a solar flare? It was swamp, <laughs> swamp gas. <laughs> it was Venus. <laughs> And so what happened, check this out. This blows my mind. So the people who witnessed this thing, it was hovering and then it shot up into the clouds so fast that it punched a hole in the clouds above it, like a hole the size of you know, like a circle. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah. Anyway, there was a new story done on it and that kind of stuff. But when the the... The pilots and the air traffic controls, they were really afraid to report any of it. And even today, when journalist Leslie Kane tried to interview them for it, they had a really hard time going on record. A lot of them wouldn't use their real names. That's understandable. Yeah, totally. Anyway, there's a lot of there's a lot of incidents like that that a lot of people don't know about. Again, because there's Yeah, I never heard of that. Around it. You would think that I would have heard about that because I hear about things. Yeah. But I have never heard about that. I'm going to put in the show notes, so we're not going to go and have time to go into them right now, but I'm going to put it some of my favorite sightings that I think are really good for anyone to look at because they involve multiple witnesses, they involve credible witnesses, and they're historic in nature. Give us one more. Give you one more? One more. One more. Okay. Oh, boy. Oh, well, okay. The Phoenix Lights. You know about those? No. All right. 1997 was a great year for me. I love 1997. 1997. Yeah, two years before Y2K. All right, three years. Remember Y2K? <laughs> yeah. For me, it happened three years after 1997. Well, 1999, everybody no, was freaking out about it. We anyway. were all partying like it was 1999. 1999, right. Buying toilet paper and cigarettes as currency. So um, in 19, March 3rd of 1997... There was one of the most witnessed UFO sightings in history. And yet I've never heard of it. you never heard of it. Yeah. It's called the Phoenix Lights. There's several documentaries out there. You can look it up and you can see it. But essentially, real quick, I'll run it down. Um, that evening, um, a series of lights in a V-shaped kind of formation slowly passed over the city of Phoenix, and it was low. It wasn't high like a commercial airline or anything like that. It was very low. It was so low, in fact, you know, and as it passed over Phoenix, all people could see were the lights. Now, some people could see a shape of like a, I guess, a boomerang type shape or like a triangle mm. shape where the, you know, and the lights were, I guess, in the front end of it. It was so big and so large, it's estimated to be about a mile long. That's how long it is. That's big. That's big. It was even witnessed by the governor of Arizona, who was a retired um, fighter pilot. Now, you may not know this. Fighter pilots are trained very specifically in detail in, in observing things in the sky. That sounds logical. That sounds very logical. Something, a good skill that a fighter pilot yeah. should have. <laughs> right. Anyway, um, he didn't know what this thing was. And um, 
Anyway, so many witnesses, a lot of great testimony. Um, if I was to recommend one documentary out there about it, I would recommend a documentary called I Know What I Saw. I mentioned it earlier. It goes into a lot of that detail uh, of credible eyewitnesses and that kind of stuff. So now one witness to that event I'd like to mention. Okay. Okay. And not only this person, but several others who witnessed the same craft um, outside of Phoenix. Uh, one witnessed it, I think, in New Mexico. And another one witnessed it several hundred miles away from Phoenix that same evening. So it was obviously traveling uh, down a, a path. Okay. Right? Because the whenever this incident happened and everybody was in an uproar and the governor was like, I don't know how to explain this. They contacted the, obviously the, the FAA and they contacted the military. No one knew what this thing was. No one had it on radar. And the official statement from the government at the time of the air force was, we didn't have anything in the sky. A few weeks later, they came out and said, Oh, we did have something in the sky. We were running a drill with an A2 Warthog plane where they um, dispatched flares into the sky. And those flares, because of the winds in the atmosphere at, at that level, kept those flares just hovering in a perfect V formation for a while. And that's what people saw. Across a stretch of distance. A mile long, yeah. yeah. Well, I just mean from... One city to another city. Well, they didn't even address the, the trajectory of the craft. They just said it was flares. Did you say the witness yet? No. Oh. No. So what, to me, what discredits that narrative from the, the Air Force, that there are several people who claim to have seen this craft many miles away. I think some are even out of state. I think the flare narrative, quite plausible in some situations, and definitely the culprit in some sightings out there, but I'm not buying it for this one. The formation was too perfect and traveled in that perfect formation for the entire time it was witnessed. And so that, if you look this incident up, that's the official debunking explanation is that it was flares. Okay. So the witness to this, finally, I'm going to get to it. Actually, I'm not. We're going to cut, we're going <laughs> to, so sorry. We're going to cover that in part two. What? what? Yeah. I hate to do that, but cliffhanger ending. So sorry, folks. So go ahead and listen to part two uh, to get who that witness is to this event. Should be out shortly. How do I know? Because we're recording it right now and it'll come out same time as this thing. So um, we'll continue this conversation by covering a couple of witnesses and then moving away from the nuts and bolts of this phenomenon and delve more into the fringy metaphysical. Goody gumdrops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. So join us next time on part two as we respectfully agree. To disagree. Disagree.